hello and welcome in. We really appreciate you joining us for this Friday edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. It's February 3rd, and we're taking a brief hiatus from our Sunbelt in review series to bring you a special preview of tomorrow's Reese's Senior Bowl that will see eight of the Sunbelt's top-rated draft prospects take the field in Mobile, Alabama, in front of NFL scouts, front office executives, and coaches Caden, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to get into some draft talk over the next couple of weeks here on the Frary and Smith podcast. Me too. And we talk about this conference and how it just keeps elevating itself as a better and better conference. And I think that this process, the senior bowl, seeing how many guys are now in it from the Sun Bowl, just truly shows how this conference is rising as far as talent goes. And super excited to see all these guys go through this process, get evaluated, have to do their pro days, some guys at the combine, and eventually find a home with the NFL team. So super excited. It's great for the Sun Bowl as a whole. And we know a lot about these little individual players and their journeys and just super excited and happy for them as they embark on this journey headed into the NFL career. Hey, I couldn't agree with you more, Kate. And there was four Sunbelt guys in the game last year. There will be eight this year. And Kate, I'm going to give us a little tap on the back too. I think that's why podcasts like this are so important to continue to bring awareness to some of these great guys in the league. There is a lot of talent that sometimes can go underappreciated. Uh, so I think it's definitely important to continue to bring awareness to some of these really good players. Well, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be diving headlong into some NFL draft talk with some of the experts who are going to cover the draft as well as players who have participated in the process in recent years. We're going to do our best to give you breakdowns of the conference's top draft prospects as well in the weeks ahead. If you missed those episodes uh, or if you missed some of those episodes, don't worry. We're definitely going to have those on Apple and Spotify. Caden, we mentioned last year four Sunbelt players participated in the Reese's Senior Bowl festivities and went on to be drafted in the first five rounds of the NFL draft, including Isaiah Likely, who went to the Ravens, Jalen Tolbert, uh, who was drafted by the Cowboys, Max Mitchell, who went uh, to New York and played for the Jets this year, as well as a friend of yours, DeMarco Jackson, who was selected in the fifth round by the New Orleans Saints. In Saturday's Senior Bowl, Caden, we're going to see eight Sunbelt student-athletes compete, as we mentioned. Troy's Jake Andrews and Carlton Marshall will both take the field. South Alabama's Jalen Wayne and Darrell Luter Jr. will both compete for the American team. App State, Caden, has two participants in the game, including game wrecker Nick Hampton and Cameron Peoples. And then we're going to see a couple of guys, Old Dominion's Nick Saldaveri and Coastal Carolina's Jared Clark, who are expected to see playing time in this game. Definitely great to see that uptick in talent and see really just a very vast group as far as different positions and different talents from the Sun Bowl. I think it's very rare to see some skill players now, some guys up front. I think we're going to have a great distribution of Sunbelt talent in this game, and I cannot wait to see those guys fly around and put a, a show on display. We've seen these guys do great things against each other, and now we'll see some of them team up against each other and play some of the best competition in the country. So super excited for all these guys to be able to let that light shine that might not have gotten shined as much when you look throughout the entire season and really their whole careers playing in the Sunbelt and now being on that bigger stage. Yeah, these all-star games are so important for players to play against some of the best people in college football, play with some of the best people in college football. So on this episode, Kane, we're excited to welcome former NFL scout and current executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, to the Prairie Institute. Smith podcast after 18 years in four Super Bowl rings as a scout for various NFL teams Jim took over the Reese's Senior Bowl operation four years ago he inherited a Senior Bowl operation that has been around since 1950 with a history spanning over 70 years Jim has gone on to revolutionize the Senior Bowl experience and really catapulted Kate in this game into its current status as the premier college football all-star game each season with his experience, Jim has constructed a scouting department that at times, I believe, can rival any NFL team's operation. 
Him and his staff also work closely with NFL teams each year to locate some of those underserviced talent with uh, huge potential. Kane, a little bit more about the Reese's Senior Bowl. This game itself has seen numerous Heisman Trophy participants, including College Football Hall of Famer Tim Tebow in 2007, as well as Baker Mayfield in 2017, along with several NFL current superstars, including current Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, New York Giants Daniel Jones. I know you're a big Giants guy as well as standout Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert, who've all participated in recent years. Caden, that's enough of an intro. I know you're really excited about what Jim had to say in this interview. No, just being a former player, the Senior Bowl, they say the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy of all of them all. This Senior Bowl is the granddaddy of them all as far as being an NFL guy and having those dreams come true. So obviously super excited, like we talked about, with the players and the Sunbelt that are going to be involved, but very excited for the people to also hear conversation with someone who knows this operation like the back of his hand and really has taken it to another level. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with Jim Nagy. Jim, you're one of the busiest guys in the business this time of year. We really appreciate you taking some time to jump on. Yeah, yeah, happy to do it. Well, let's jump right in. It seems like uh, there are more and more college all-star games that, you know, come about every year, but the Senior Bowl has really become that premier collegiate all-star game. Why has this become kind of the preferred destination for some of the top prospects in college football? Well, I don't know if it's become. I feel like it always has been. Well, before I got here, I mean... Just look at the track record. Since 2000, we've had 181 first-round picks and no other All-Star game has won. So um, it's been a great game way before I got here. I'd like to think we've done things to make it better. Um, We've certainly utilized social media quite a bit. Um, Our first year here in 2018, we had 40 million impressions on our Twitter handles between mine and the Senior Bowl accounts, and this year we went over 400 million. So um, it's grown exponentially on the social side, which raises visibility, and we've worked really hard at it to uh, promote the game. And it's again, it's been a great game forever. We've got a lot to promote. Um, I just don't think I think it was kind of underpromoted for a long time. But you just go back and look at the the list of players. I mean, right now this year, 37 percent of opening day rosters in the NFL played in the Senior Bowl. So, um, in over forty percent of the last two draft classes played in the Senior Bowl. So. Um, no, it's been a great game for a long time. The City Mobile supports it. Um, really, that's what makes it different from the other All-Star games is the, the support we get from our community. Yeah, I mean, it certainly sounds like, you know, the numbers kind of speak for themselves about why this has become, you know, the must-go-to spot. You know, I, for one, grew up going to the Senior Bowl at Lad Peebles Stadium. Uh, last year, the game was played at the new Hancock-Whitney Stadium for the first time. How beneficial have those new facilities at South Alabama been to further elevate the experience for both fans as well as uh, the athletes that participate in the game? Yeah, a ton of history at Ladd Stadium. There's no doubt about it. I mean, going back to, I mean, there's a playing the game there for 70 years, over 70 years, uh, and all the great players and Hall of Famers. I mean, shoot, Alabama used to play a home game down here every year with when Bear Bryant was the coach. So, um, it was hard to leave, you know, hard to leave that history. But really, when you thought of it from a fan experience standpoint, uh, total no-brainer. Uh, we're moving in from a 75-year-old facility to a $75 million brand-new facility. Just just the amenities, you know, concessions, parking, uh, bathrooms, jumbotron, LED ribbons, audio. It's just, it's been a game-changer. Even at practice now. You know, you used to go out to Ladd Stadium and the action on the field was always awesome, but you'd be sitting in these cold metal bleachers and 
Um, there wasn't a lot of juice to it. I mean, now we've got music cranked up. We've got the Jumbotron on, the LED ribbons. It just has a completely different vibe than it's ever had. Yeah, I'm certainly excited to make it back to one of these games because I remember, you know, very cold uh, February days in Lad Peebles, uh, you know, going to some of those games growing up. Uh, last year's game, uh, the Sun Belt saw four players participate in the Reese Senior Bowl. This year, that number is eight. What does that kind of say about the increased talent level in the Sun Belt currently? Yeah, you know, I just did another Sun Belt podcast uh, with a guy in town here that, that does one, and uh, I didn't realize we had eight. <laughs> I didn't realize we had eight this year. Um, it was a good year for that league. It was, you know, I mean, you look around the league too. Um, one, I think that there was an uptick in, in talent. I mean, with the players in the Senior Bowl. And a couple of these guys are going to be, I think, going to be day two draft picks, like Nick Hampton from App State, um, Nick Saldaveri from ODU, the offensive lineman, I think, has a chance to go on day two. Um, but look at the coaching around the league now. I mean, what Kane Womack did at South Alabama right here in our backyard, John Summerall, I mean, the job he did at Troy, whatever they ripped off 12 straight, 12 straight wins to end the season and getting a you know top 25 uh, ranking and uh, you know, Coastal's been up. App's a great program. I mean, there's just there, there's some really good coaching in that league. And and uh, yeah, I think the talent level's getting better as well. You know, I think the next thing that I wanted to chat about was just your team's process in putting this game together. What goes into kind of that initial step of identifying players for the Reese Senior Bowl? How many guys do you kind of start with each year? And then how do you guys ultimately whittle down that list to this group that is now on the roster for this game that's going to take place next week? Well, I'll just move forward past this year's game here in a couple of weeks. We will, uh, a week from now, you know, 10 days from now, we'll get automobile. Um, everyone will be out of the office for, for a week or two because uh, this has been, this is a taxing month. I mean, there hasn't been a day off here in about a month um, since just after the new year. Everyone's working, you know. Been, been here at midnight some nights. So uh, we got to recharge the batteries. That's important. Uh, but we'll get right back at it on, uh, the, on the 2024 game here in a few weeks. And uh, that'll start with our, our scouting assistants. We'll start. We have them broken down by conference. They'll each grab a conference or two. Um, they'll watch every senior starter that's, uh, that's returning for, for this year. Um, you know, and then we'll work that through the spring. And then after the draft is when we build our scouting staff out. Uh, you know, we've built a real football operation. When I got here, I mean, this was there wasn't even tape in the office. So uh, we've re really tried to build this thing out like a real NFL department. Again, for me selfishly, like this wouldn't be a very fun job if I if it was just me sitting around picking players. Like I enjoy being part of a collaborative process. So you know, once that hiring fight hiring and firing cycle happens um, after the NFL draft, I'll get a bunch of uh, I'll get a bunch of guys that uh, I've known in the league or maybe not knowing that they get let go and some guys are firm to us. Like this year we had nine former NFL scouts um, that have 170 some years of, of NFL experience. It's really important. We have, you know, veteran eyes looking at these players and know what they're looking at and have connections to the schools. And then uh, they'll start watching tape over the summer. I will too. I cross check all the draftable grades that come in and then uh, we get cranked up in the fall process and we're at games every Saturday. I think we were at double digit amount of games every Saturday and I'm, I'm posting videos coming out of all those games um, so the fans can see it and uh, tagging all the players, kind of a good connection point for us to the players. And then uh, really the final, and they'll be watching tape all week um, at home and filing reports just like they would be working for a team. And then the last stage is uh, we kind of have a grade sharing call process with the NFL teams, just, you know, GMs, director level guys that have access to all their grades and their boards and they'll sit in front of their they'll sit in the draft room and we'll sit here in my office and we'll go position by position 
Um, and I'll tell them, I'll say, hey, these are the, here's the four quarterbacks we really like that we want in the game. Here's kind of the next two or three. And then we'll just have those conversations about, you know, how to fill the, fill in the back end of the roster and make sure we're bringing the guys they want to see. Because, I mean, as much as I take pride in that our staff does, does a lot of good work, um, there's no ego involved in this either. Like we're going to, we're going to have some variance with, with the teams and it's all about getting it right and getting the guys they want. These rosters are for them, not us. I mean, we're not trying to build a football team moving forward. It's those guys. So we're just trying to do the best job we can for those 32 GMs. Yeah. I love that explanation. Cause I think some fans think that we show up in February and we have the rosters and play the football game, but it's nice to kind of hear that, that background story. Uh, let's talk about a couple of guys just from last year's game, and then we'll jump into some guys from this year. Last year, App State's DeMarco Jackson, Jalen Tolbert participated in the festivities. They both ended up being drafted in last year's draft. How useful was the experience of playing in this game for them, and how did it ultimately affect their draft stock? Yeah, um, to those two guys in particular, Jalen ended up going in the third round of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, he's he's just – there's not – the Sun Belt hasn't produced – I mean, there's always a couple corners. Like this year, we got Darrell Luter um, from South Alabama. But, you know, week in and week out, you're not going to see that. And I, I think Jalen played Tennessee last year. But um, just to get down here and play against man coverage, a lot of tight man coverage, press man coverage against really good people uh, certainly helped Jalen because uh, he is a good route runner. They, he moved around during the week, showed off his intelligence. He did great in the interviews. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Jalen got drafted so high is that um, the Cowboys used Dak Prescott last year in the scouting process. I've never heard of that before. Um, they did it kind of clandestine. They had Dak reach out to a few different receivers that they liked as a, as a scouting department, and they let Jalen kind of, or they let Dak kind of interview those guys. So, um, so that helped Jalen. That that you know, just the interview stuff was great. And then Demarco, um, he was one of our favorite guys going through the fall. You know, maybe we were a little high. We were in that you know fourth roundish range. I think he went in the fifth to to the Saints. Correct. But, uh, I just loved his play style. You know, he was an aggressive, like physical downhill player, kind of an innately, innately aggressive uh, linebacker. And, uh, you know, I think he showed up better in coverage down here and some of the man stuff than people thought he would. And again, where, where, where they where the Saints took him in the fifth round, you're really drafting guys that are going to be core special teams players at minimum. Like, you know that you're going to get something out of the player. And then because of, you know, what DeMarco brings to the table in terms of like just commitment, football intelligence, the whole makeup part, you got those guys got a chance to ascend. I mean, those are the guys that if they're talented enough to make your club and hang around on special teams, when you have all that other good stuff going for you, then you got a chance to maybe eventually break through as a starter. So, yeah, both those guys did a great job down here last year. Yeah, I love to hear that. And it's love, you know, you love to see the success at the Senior Bowl translate into those draft picks. Let's jump into some guys from the Sun Belt in this year's game. And I have to start with Carlton Marshall. He is, you know, probably one of the best feel good stories, um, you know, heading into this game. He got invited late in the process. He's shown the ability to tackle. But what do NFL scouts see in his game? Instincts, instincts and in production. I mean, he's a, he's a true outlier. I mean, the guy is, he measured five foot seven and seven eighths for the NFL scouts last spring. So, you know, he's 208 pounds. There's never been a guy this size play linebacker in the NFL ever. So, I mean, people, people point to like Sam Mills, Sam Mills was five ten. Um, so again, Carlton's a hometown boy and he's got a lot of fans around here. And again, you know, like, I just think he deserves it. John Summerall, Summerall and I have known John a long time. I consider him a good friend. And, and you know, he made a great point. He said, you know, Jim, this guy's going to be in the College Football Hall of Fame someday. Um, and he will. 
and he will. He's the all-time tackles leader. He better he better get there. So um, no, I just I just think he deserves the opportunity. Uh, he was a walk-on out of high school. He's been an overachiever his whole life. So let's see where it goes. You know, let's you know. I think uh, he he just finds the football and he finds a way to get to the football because he's not big. He's not fast, um, but he's got a way of getting there. So um, I'm excited for Carlton, man. Like I'm I've spent a couple of days with him this week um, here in Mobile and over in Pensacola where he's training. And uh, now I can see why the Mobile community was so, uh, you know, so uh, energetic about him getting the invite. Yeah, it's certainly, you know, one of the best stories in the Sun Belt this year. Just hard work and determination paying off. Let's talk about another defensive guy. You mentioned Darrell Luter earlier on. He's a guy that has strong ball skills. We've seen that really good footwork. But how can he use this week as, and as an opportunity to kind of increase his draft stock? Well, he was playing one-handed for a good part of the year this year with a club on his hand. You know, Darrell was one of our referees in our NFL in our NFL Senior Bowl flag league this year for the little kids in Mobile, uh, ages six to twelve. Uh, Luter was out there every week uh, refereeing and coaching those guys up. So I think you know, just playing two-handed, being able to press people. Um, his game is physicality. He's he's physical at the catch point. Uh, he's he's got a knack for finishing. And he's he's got a really cool body type. He's he's you know five eleven and change, so he's got movement skills of a you know kind of a, a smaller guy. He can change direction, and then he's got these thirty three you know inch arms, so he's got length of a of a six one six two guy. So um, kind of a cool body type to work with. And he, again, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of ball production. And uh, right now, starting the process, like he's fourth or fifth round for most teams. I think I think this is going to be a big week, and as as it is for all corners, like. The, the 40 time is going to matter. I mean, that's, that's truly one position that, that the 40 time matters and is significant. So we'll, we'll see where it goes, but um, you know, his, he's got a baby on the way. His wife's going to be out here. She's eight months pregnant. Um, so who knows, maybe he'll become a dad at some point during the week. Cause that, ha- that happened a couple of years ago, actually uh, <laughs> with Colin Saunders, one of our, our defensive linemen from Western that's Illinois. Cool. His, uh, his wife had a baby during the week up in Chicago. He actually left senior bowl, flew up there to see his baby flew back down and got a sack in the game, which was pretty cool. So, um, no, excited excited to get Darrell down here and, and let him do his thing. Hey, just adding more people to the Reese's Senior Bowl family. That's right. Uh, you know, when you look at an App State program in the Sun Belt, it feels like year in and year out they send a guy to this game. This year they have two, Nick Hampton, who probably is one of the more top-rated guys in the Sun Belt. Uh, you look at a guy like Cameron Peoples as well. They both had strong college careers. What are you hearing from NFL guys about those two players in terms of their future NFL careers. Yeah, Nick's Nick's been our highest graded group of five uh, defensive player going back to last spring. He's uh, he's kind of an every down, do it all outside linebacker. He's long, he's violent, he he can play the run. He's got natural pass rush ability. Um, he's just he's just a really good player. I think you know starting off right now, probably third round, probably in that fringe top hundred area. But um, I've talked to a lot of NFL guys that they everyone anticipates Nick having a big week down here. Uh, and if he does, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Nick goes in the second round. And then, uh, you know, Cameron Peoples is a guy that, you know, there's, you know, production's been a little, a little inconsistent over his time there, but he's a legit six, two running back. That's 225 pounds. That's exactly what the NFL is looking for. He's got nice feet. He's got breakaway speed. Um, so he's got some unique stuff to work with that, uh, you know, certainly a day three guy right now, um, and he'll probably end up somewhere on day three. I, you know, day two might be a little unrealistic at this point. But um, if it if it fully clicks for him, and uh, 
you know, he's a guy that has the talent to play at the next level a long time. Yeah, he's certainly a guy that we've seen have those big games, but I know injuries have, you know, hampered him at times this year. Uh, two more questions, and then we'll let you get out of here. You know, you mentioned earlier on Jalen Tolbert, and for the second year in a row, there's a South Alabama wide receiver playing in this game, Jalen Wayne this year. Not the fastest guy, but really uses that frame well. What do you think his ceiling is in the league, and who's a comp of maybe a current NFL guy that you would have for Jalen Wayne? Yeah, I stay away from comps, man. NFL scouts don't like those things. That's a media deal, um, you know, unless it truly fits. Like if NFL, you know, we'll use them, but like every single thing has to line up. Like you can't just throw out a comp because what you're trying to do is like, sorry, I'm going, I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit, but the comp. Thing, oh, you're fine. The comp thing really freaking bothers me in the media because um, I see some, of, I see some of them and they're just ridiculous. But again, I can't call media people out for that stuff, but. Uh, Cause I know their I know their bosses want comps. I get it. Um, you know, so, but anyway, what I'll say about Jalen Wayne, I do think he's going to run well. Um, like I know people at South Alabama that have seen he and Jalen Tolbert race each other and Jalen Wayne is one and last spring Jalen Tolbert ran four, four, six. So that, which tells me, I think Jay Wayne's going to be somewhere in the four fours, even if he doesn't run well, he's probably four, four, eight, four, four, nine. Um, if he's faster than Tolbert, he's, he might be 4-4-3, 4-4-4. So at his size, that's a really good time. Um, there's people inside the program that will tell you, and I think yeah, and, and Jalen Tolbert knows this, so I'm not like – I love Jalen Tolbert. It's one of my favorite guys we've had in the game. But there's people up there that think he's more talent, physically talented than Jalen Tolbert was. Um, like we talked about, Jalen Tolbert went the third round because of the person Jalen Tolbert is. He is – for that position, especially like high, high character, um, smart, um, all that stuff, pros, pro. Um, so Jalen's got a lot of upside. He's got the ability to play in the league. You know, his, his uncle, Reggie Wayne, is a senior bowl alum. We put him in our Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. He's a finalist for Canton this year. So good bloodlines, obviously, um, but big, strong, can run routes. Uh, but this is this is a big week for him because. Again, going back to Sunbelt stuff, like he's just not playing NFL corners week in and week out. So this will be big for him. Yeah, it sounds like perhaps an opportunity to elevate his game and, and maybe jump up a day in the draft. Last thing for you, there's a couple of Sunbelt offensive linemen playing in this game. Jake Andrews from Troy, Nick Saldaveri uh, from Old Dominion. Uh, what have your staff liked about those guys? And, you know, where do you think we could see them go in an NFL draft? Uh yeah, start with Jake Andrews. Uh, I was at the Penn State Auburn game like week three, and uh, what scouts typically do, you know, you be down on the field during pregame and you're just small talking with guys and you just ask them, "Hey, where have you been? Where are you going?" One of those things, and a, and uh, a bunch of guys were like, "Jimmy, you got to get down to Troy and check out that center." So it was early in the year. He was kind of off the radar going into the year, um, but must have made an impression during August fall camp um, on some scouts because by that time, even by week three. A couple of the guys that told me that were like upper level, you know, director level, national scout level guys. So you're getting the area scouts were calling other guys through the school. Um, I think I think Jake's got a chance to be a starting center at the next level. Um, he's a little a little stubby in terms of like length, but um, he's going to test really well. He's strong as an ox. He's the smartest kid in the program. He's going to play both guard and center down here. But I think his, his home at the next level is going to be as a center. Um, he's at minimum going to play a long time in the league, a backup swing guy, guard center, but I think he's got a chance to be a starting center. And Nick Saldaveri, I think, has got a chance to rise as much as any offensive lineman in the game during the week. He's a, he is a big man with quickness, body quickness, hand strength. I actually, when I was watching his 
uh, his tape at ODU, him playing right tackle, I, I saw a guy that could be a starting NFL center and like a high end starting NFL center. So um, I do think Nick has a chance to to creep up into the you know third round area, become a day two pick. So I'm looking forward to his week. I really do think he's got a chance to uh, to ascend. Well, Jim, we really appreciate your time, you know, jumping on the podcast. Like I said, I know you're busy, so we appreciate that. And the insight I think that you provided is going to be invaluable. So certainly wish you and your team uh, best of luck uh, this next week as you guys ramp into game week and certainly hope the game goes well. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Hey everyone, on behalf of Caden and I, as well as the rest of our team here on the Prairie and Smith podcast, we'd like to say a special thank you for joining us for today's episode. We started this podcast in September with the goal of bringing further exposure to the premier group of five football league, the Sunbelt Conference. Since then, we've launched over 60 episodes featuring great weekly content, promoting not only the conference, but the talented athletes it has to offer. If you haven't already, take a moment and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss a future episode. And if you could, consider leaving us a five-star rating on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or simply a quick review telling us what you liked about today's episode. Also, head over to Twitter and follow the show at at Smith to keep up with all the latest football news from around the Sunbelt Conference. Again, thanks for joining us for today's episode. Let's get back to the show. Caden, what a fun interview that was with Jim Nagy. I know you weren't able to make it, just some other things had come up, but I know you've watched back to this interview, and he brought so much great insight. I thought his take on Nick Hampton was particularly interesting. I know that validates a little bit about what you've been saying about Nick all season long. It was interesting, too, as well, to hear some of the high praise that he had for Jalen Wayne. He compared him very glowingly to a Jalen Tolbert and maybe even said that in some areas of his game, he's better. Tolbert goes in the third round last year. Also thought it was interesting and it was neat to hear his take on Carlton Marshall, a guy that has bucked expectations his entire career and how much it really means to Carlton to get this opportunity to play against some of the best of the best. No, I just said, I definitely want to give you your flowers. No, and pat you on the back. That was a great interview. I wish I could have been a part of it, but you just did a great job asking the perfect questions and getting all that good info out of Jim on the inside of some of these players that we're very excited to see that we've been documenting all season. But yeah, you touched on a couple highlights and some of those guys, Carlton Marshall can't think of a guy more deserving to be in this game. And then you talk about prospects like Nick Hampton, who's probably the most deserving when you look at his physical tools, what he brings to the table. So it just shows you kind of what the Sunbelt is. We have everything from guys who have had to go from a walk on, go from having to earn a scholarship and really fighting and clawing their way to the senior bowl to guys who have those physical gifts that maybe could have been playing at a power five school and will now be putting it on display, all culminating at the senior bowl against some of the best competition that this country has to offer. Yeah, it is going to be an electric game tomorrow. There's going to be so much talent on display. I know that I definitely wish we had been able to make it down to the game. It just didn't work out this year, but I know in years to come, we're planning on doing that. Well, Caden, we spent the entire fall previewing and reviewing teams, and we spent some time on individual players, but it had more to do with the games. This is going to be our first foray you know, into talking about some individual players and First, we're going to get into the defensive side of the football. We told you Carlton Marshall, Nick Hampton, Jared Clark, Darrell Luter are going to be some guys that are expected to play in this game. We're also going to spend some time on the offensive side. Jalen Wayne, Cameron Peoples, Jake Andrews, Nick Saldaveri. So, Caden, without further ado, let's just jump right in and let's start with the defensive side of the football. I know you're partial to that side. So, 
we're going to go ahead and start with defense. And Kane, we got to start with Carlton Marshall. He, as you know, Jim said, and John Summerall has preached, he is going to be a college football Hall of Famer after the career that he had at Troy. He has the most career tackles in FBS history. Jim mentioned, though, he would be the smallest linebacker drafted in NFL history if he gets his name called in April. He's a four-time All-Sun Belt guys, reigning defensive player of the year, 577 career tackles. Caden, can you bet against this guy? I think when you look at an NFL draft standpoint, you can bet against him. But when you look at him throughout his career and him proving everyone wrong from the high school to college level and now trying to do it at the NFL level, it is hard to bet against him. There's going to be a proving ground for Carlton Marshall. And it's going to be nothing new to him. He's used to being under recruited, underrated. And now him coming into the senior bowl with a chip on his shoulder was an awesome thing to think. But I think the only reason you can bet against him is because of that size. We talked about it. It's not his calling card. He's 5'9", 210 pounds. And I'll be very interested to see if he's put on some weight since the Cure Bowl. That was the first bowl game of the season. So he's had a lot of time to maybe work on his body a little bit. But I think why Carlton's been able to make up for that lack of size is that football IQ. We talk about him being a great tackler. When he gets to the point of attack, he's going to get you down. That's what he does. But the reason he's able to be so efficient as a tackler is what he does between point A and point B. He has a high football IQ. He knows where he's going. So if in the senior bowl, he's able to do that in this game, the size is not going to matter. He's going to know where he has to be. He knows where his destination is, and he's hard to get hands on. You think about guys like Luke Keekley, like Fred Warner, guys who are high-volume tackle guys. They know where they're going before the play is. They have a nose for the football. They have those instincts, and Carlton has those. So the more untouched he can be and decisive he can be in this game like he's been his whole career, that's going to help him a ton. But if he's a step slow, maybe he gets fully blocked, has two hands on him, that's where the size becomes an issue. But if he can keep doing what he's done his whole career in this senior bowl, it's going to be a no-brainer as far as a guy who can really bring value to a team. Yeah, he definitely is one of the most fascinating guys going into this senior bowl. And I think as we go through these guys, Caden, he might be one of the guys that has the biggest opportunity heading into the Senior Bowl to continue to prove doubters wrong, which he's done his entire career. Well, Caden, let's move on to a guy that Jim had a lot of high praise for on this interview, and that's Nick Hampton. He's a guy that you've been very high on from the start. I know you've played alongside. Jim kind of said that right now he's grading out at maybe a third-round guy or an early fourth-round guy, but I thought it was really interesting, and we already kind of touched on it. He said that with a good senior bowl week, watch out for Nick Hampton at the back end of the second round. And, Caden, that would be one of the higher draft picks that we've ever seen uh, from App State. He's a two-time All-Sun Belt guy over the last two seasons, 27.5 TFLs, 19 sacks. It was a bit of a down year in 2022. It wasn't as good as that year a season ago, but... Caden, you've compared him to a poor man's version of Will Anderson. And given that comp, he might be a great value pick at the back end of the second round, maybe early third round or, or, or at the early part of the fourth round. For me personally, it was just awesome having a front row seat to his development. When he came to App State, we called him Slink. They still call him Slink just because his length and his size. And he was not 235 pounds when he came to App State. He was the same height. His arms seemed like they were going past his knees. He has a 34-inch arms and an 81-inch wingspan. I mean, his arms are giant. He has a very unique body type that he's now added size to. And I think you talked about it and Jim talked about it. This week for him in this senior bowl is all about raising his ceiling. His floor is an elite edge rusher. His size, him standing up on the edge, he's going to be an edge rushing and a pass rushing specialist with that unique body type. And I think if he can prove that he can show some more versatility in the senior bowl, I'm going to be very interested to see where these coaches place him, try to put him in some different positions for success. But I think Jim nailed it on the head. This is a guy who at the minimum is going to be someone, okay, on third down, we want Nick Hampton rushing the passer. That's what everyone knows he's going to do and can expect him to do. 
But throughout the senior bowl process, maybe he gets some reps at inside linebacker, maybe shows he can do some in underneath coverage, shows some range and size and athleticism in space, some value on special teams as well. This is going to be a guy who can only raise his ceiling as far as the senior bowl, putting on display what he's physically capable of this weekend and in this game. Hey, Kane, it was the same thing you mentioned with Carlton Marshall. And I know that you don't like to hear this, but obviously App State missed the bowl game. So the last time we saw Nick Hampton play was at the end of November. That's a two-month stretch here that he has had to improve and continue to uh, you know, improve that uh, physique. And so watch out for Nick Hampton maybe to shoot up some draft boards uh, with a big showing at the Senior Bowl, both in the practices as well as the game. Well, Kane, let's move on to a guy who is probably one of the biggest guys that will play in the Senior Bowl. That's Gerard Clark. Uh, he has really been synonymous with this Coastal Carolina turnaround. Uh, he really did have the best year of his career. He's a, a big tackling threat. 41 tackles was a career high. Also had a career high 10 TFLs and three and a half sacks. He might be a great piece, Caden, for a team that really is looking to stop the run in the NFL. Yeah, you talked about his size, man. This guy's a 6'4", 340-pound guy that clearly checks that box as far as size and what he could bring to the table. And those stats you mentioned are especially impressive for what he did at the interior alignment position. Those are kind of defensive end S stats, but him be able to do that in front of the center in those A gaps and really do damage to people is going to be something that a lot of teams are interested in, especially like you talked about with stopping the run. When you look at him and try to compare him to other players, he really has a lot of words and like cue buzzwords that you hear People have more synonymous with offensive line. He has strong hands on the point of attack. He's a very strong tackler, very big body, just a, a large man who's hard to move. And he's much better at moving people than getting moved. So very curious to see what team he goes to. He has very strong hands, can get off a of box very easily and really wreak havoc in that backfield. We saw that a ton in the App State game. It seemed like the App State couldn't run the ball in either A gap just because he was pushing the guys back every single play. So super curious to see which team he goes to. And I think it's going to come down to scheme, like you said, the teams who really want to plug him in, have him just fill up space, take up space, maybe have to have two guys blocking him at once. They're going to get a lot of value out of him. And hopefully in this senior bowl, he'll be able to put some of that on display. Okay. And I love the group of four players that were selected to this game. We got a couple of really good linebackers. We've got that game wrecker up front and Gerard Clark. And now we end with a guy from the secondary and Darrell Luter Jr. He was a first team all Sunbelt conference selection last year. He really is one of the top cover corners in the league. He led the Sun Belt in passes defended as well as interceptions per contest a year ago. But Kane, this year, you know, teams didn't throw at him as much, and he had just one interception, seven pass breakups. Um, I did find this interesting, though, when you really dig in. When teams targeted Darrell Luter, the QB rating was just 87.9, which is excellent to say the least. He might be a guy that, again, going up against some of the best wide receivers the country has to offer on the other side that – has the biggest opportunity or dare I say upside at the senior bowl this week. Yeah. And I know we talked a lot about Carlton Marshall's journey to the senior bowl, but this is a guy that was a junior college product too. So shout out for him for just putting his head down, working and get to this spot. But you talked about it. He's year in and year out. One of the best conference corners. I have fond memories from 2020 year season where he had 10 back pass breakups, four interceptions. I'm pretty sure when he was targeted, his QB rating was like four that year, like not exaggerating. So you can't really blame teams for not throwing the ball this season and kind of avoiding that side of the field. But that's why the senior bowl is going to be so important for him. He's probably going to get targeted more than he's gotten targeted all of last season, even with one hand having that club, like Jim mentioned. But I think his ability to play press coverage in this game, off coverage is going to be huge for him. I think the better man coverage he can play in the senior bowl, his stock will only raise and raise and raise. And if he can really prove that he can be in the slot, even that nickel spot on third downs, if you have the nickel or dime package, and you just need a cornerback, a cover guy to guard somebody for four or five seconds on the biggest stage on a third down in a big game. 
you're going to love to see that out of him. He's super coordinated, has great ball skills, is super smooth. I think the biggest question mark for him is going to be that physicality. He's going to be lining up against some big receivers and getting blocked by them as well and having to show up in the run game. I think that's an area that you might need to see some improvement in. But as far as cover skills, if he has a master class cover game and does what he has to do, that's going to be huge for him. And then the tackling, the being able to guard big receivers and contest catches with them and get off a of box with them is just going to be a bonus for him. Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating piece uh, looking to ahead uh, to tomorrow's Senior Bowl. Well, Caden, you're partial to defense. I'll always be partial to offense. Uh, so let's move to the offensive side of the football. And Caden, I want to start with talking about Jalen Wayne. He's a guy that over the last six seasons has had nearly 2,000 yards receiving. He had a career-high 815 yards and nine touchdown grabs this year. His 14.1 yards per catch average this year was the best of his career. And, Kane, I give you all those numbers, and then I say he hasn't even really had very good quarterback play during his career at South Alabama. Um, I thought it was interesting. Jim Nagy talked a lot about his athleticism and maybe some of the thoughts of guys inside that South Alabama locker room it was pretty high praise to hear him say that he might be as athletic or more than Jalen Tolbert, a guy who went uh, in the 88th pick last year in the third round. I think I have to agree with Jim on this one. When you look at Jalen Tolbert and someone that had to play against him, when we were playing South Alabama, he was the key emphasis point. So it wasn't as much Jalen Lane, but we were really locked in on Tolbert. Tolbert was smooth. He was fluid. He was very good at finding the spots and zone coverage and getting open. So his play style, he didn't really have to kind of kick it into high gear. He was just very good at finding those open spots in zone coverage and man coverage getting over the top. But I think when you look at Jalen Wayne's game, it's a little bit more explosive. You see some better stuff maybe after the catch. You see him really burning guys down the field. And I think some of that craftiness that Tolbert brings to the table is what he can work on. But as far as making contested catches, getting open in one-on-one coverage, Jalen Wayne is the top of the top as far as this conference. I mean, I think this year he was also a beneficiary of other good receivers. So he kind of proved that he may not have to be that top guy for you, but he can also get his catches where he can. If he's not getting targeted as much, he's going to be a high volume guy if you need him to be. But also if you just need him on a couple three and four targets a game, he's probably going to catch him and probably going to make the most of him. He has a lot of good short area quickness, can take the top off of the defense. He's a fantastic receiver, and I think his athleticism is not going to think that's going to be questioned once you get into pro day in the combine. Yeah, he's an exciting piece, and obviously we got to you know watch him firsthand this season, uh, so watch out for him in the Senior Bowl. Caden, let's move on to a guy you're very familiar with, Cameron Peoples. He's a friend of the podcast. We had him on earlier this year. Uh, He's an interesting case uh, for draft evaluators. He's run for over 2,800 yards and 33 touchdowns in his five-year career at App State. He's been, you know, one of the best running backs in the Sun Belt when healthy, but that's the big key right there, when healthy. We also know that draft evaluators, they don't love guys who've had a ton of mileage on those tires. Uh, Caden, what's his outlook, maybe some strengths and weaknesses for Cameron Peoples in this draft process? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head as far as health. That's going to be a huge thing for him. Once you're someone who's been hurt before, that's going to have a big magnifying glass the entire week of practice as far as is this guy week in and week out going to get banged up. So I think him staying healthy throughout the week is going to be huge. You've seen people go to bowls who might be kind of fringe draft guys all of a sudden get hurt and have to miss practice, and that's going to be a huge knock for some of the evaluators. But as far as his skill set, can't really deny what Cam has done once he's on the field. As far as a running back goes, he's going to catch some of these dudes in this game and practices probably by surprise because you look at him, he looks like a bigger guy. He's kind of kind of confusing when you look at him. You don't know if he's going to run by you, if he's going to run over you, and he can do both things. So very excited to watch him play against that higher level competition. He had a great game against Texas A&M, had a good game against Miami as well. Now he's going to be going against people that are more like that versus Sunbelt teams. But I think as far as areas of improvement goes, 
going to have to be able to catch the ball a little bit better. He's not as much of a receiving threat. And I think when you get down to it, he's only had 11 career catches. And if it's him versus another running back who might be up to par and similar to him, but maybe has that explosive receiving element to their game, they're going to go with him. And also just his running style in general. When we had him on the podcast, he compared himself to an Eric Dickerson. And there's a reason that that's kind of a one-of-one comp as far as that size and running upright. You kind of want your running backs to be a little bit lower to the ground, play behind their pads. But Cam has proven at the high school level and the college level that he can run like that. Just very interested to see at the senior bowl and the next level if that run style can translate. And if it does, he's going to be a very dangerous guy for teams, especially when he gets an open field that second and third level. Hey, he's a fascinating piece in the senior bowl, so watch out for him. Caden, last guys that'll play in this game, Jake Andrews and Nick Saldaveri, a couple of offensive linemen. I thought it was interesting to hear Jim talk about how both of them might have potential as starting centers in the NFL. Jake Andrews, really versatility has been his best trait. He was the center this year. He's played all three interior positions. Saldaveri, meanwhile, he struggled at right tackle this year. Uh, but again, as I mentioned, it was interesting to hear Jim's take about him as a potential center. These are a couple of good offensive linemen that are probably back-end day three type guys, but certainly guys uh, that can improve an NFL offensive line. Yeah, and both of these linemen definitely stand out for two different reasons. When you look at Jake Andrews at center, that's just your ideal center. It's who you want. It's a nasty guy who has a high football IQ. I think that was one of my bigger takeaways from Jim saying that he had he was the smartest guy in the program. And this is a Troy team that we know is very experienced, has a ton of high IQ guys. So them saying that about Jake, that's a huge plus for me. He's a 6'3 guy, 325. As far as the center position, that allows you to kind of get under people's chin. He's very aggressive. He's going to play through the whistle. And I think he's just a nasty guy that you want on your team. I think out of all of the guys that we have here, if he does stick, I truly think he could have the longest career out of all of these guys. And when you look at Nick, he's more of a guy that looks the part easily. He's physically imposing. He's huge. He's 6'6", 316 pounds, has strong hands. This is very surprisingly athletic for what he brings to the table. He's very good in the run game, pulling at that size. You do not want to get hit by a guy that's moving in motion in your face. So he's been great at that and also had a great year as far as blitz pickup goes. I think you, a lot of teams showed a lot of different exotic blitzes, blitzing de- defensive backs, blitzing linebackers. He rarely got confused. He always did his job there. So very excited about both of these alignments who both, I think, have a high ceiling heading into their NFL careers. Hey, certainly a lot of t- or a lot of talent that's going to play in this senior bowl. Well, that will do it for another exciting episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy, as well as Media Relations Coordinator Molly Middleton for helping make this episode possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith Podcast on a new day next week. We'll bring you the penultimate episode of our Sunbelt in Review series on Tuesday, focusing on the 2022 seasons for the Arkansas State Red Wolves and Texas State Bobcats with the help of Kara Ritchie and Cap Chardello. That'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith Podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us and the show out. Well, we're going to continue to be here all offseason, keeping you up to date on all the latest happenings from around the Sun Belt. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you being with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. 